you know, housing is getting so expensive. I keep telling Adam, maybe we should sell our house and just go buy a little shack in the woods. <laughs> Build a hut, you know? With chicken legs. Why not? <laughs> What's Thank stopping you? Hello. Hello. Welcome back. Your face. You're looking tan. Oh, thank you. You also look very tan, very beautiful. Thank you. I spent my summer sunning myself on a rock in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. So, ah, glorious. Sending many sailors to their deaths. Sending so many sailors to their deaths. It was a very, very, very good time. I'm still getting used to my land legs. (laughs) I know. I miss my mermaid tail just a little. <laughs> Me too. It was it was very cool. I, I will say I, I like having legs. I believe in having my feet firmly planted upon the ground. Having a mermaid tail was fun for a couple months, but uh but you know what? I still have a crushing fear of the sea and being in it. <laughs> uh and being in it any farther than a beach where my feet can still touch the sand. So it was that a good time. A valid, what yeah. an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> All very valid. The sea is a very scary place. Thank you. It's terrifying. And it's, it's, I believe human beings should be where there's air and ground. She'd be a harsh mistress. <laughs> <laughs> She'd be a harsh mistress. <laughs> Fuck, now I wish I had chosen a pirate story to come back with. <laughs> oh, man. Next time. Next one. Then we'll do, okay. we'll do, we'll do pirate stories for the next episode. It's a deal. It's a pact. I think the next episode is my birthday episode, too. So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just I love pirates so much, everyone. I just (laughs) I love pirates. I love them. Nothing wrong with that. I didn't see any pirates while I was out swimming in the ocean, being a mermaid. Many sailors, Mm -hmm. but no pirates. Unfortunately. (laughs) Which is fine. (laughs) Anyway, welcome back. We're so (laughs) stoked to be back. Um, we were gone for a couple of months. We hope you love the Patreon episodes that we released. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were a couple of our absolute favorites that we had been wishing were out in the public for a while now. So let us know what mm-hmm. you thought of those. Yeah. Uh, and you finally, most of you finally actually get the joke now. So <laughs> it's always fun listening to someone say an inside joke over and over. I personally, I love it a lot feeling excluded. <laughs> You know, but then you start to like become in, like come in on the inside joke. That happens sometimes. Yeah. Well, I feel like, like the Roland one was pretty obvious about why we hated that uh, yeah. story so much. It's nice yeah. to actually be able to hear the full thing, though. Yep. Uh, it's really cute. Actually, Adam and I have an inside joke where basically are we like our GPS was trying to kill us and take us down a road called Bear River Road. Uh-huh. So every time Bear River Road comes up, which surprisingly, it comes up a lot. Yeah, there are a lot of places named Bear River Bear yes. River Road. It's so weird. And we always look at each other. Um, and <laughs> I, I don't know how this happened, but I guess Adam told his dad about this. So Adam's mm-hmm. dad will randomly look at Adam, I guess, while they're driving to work or something and be like, Bear River Run? Or like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just 
he's now on the in on the inside joke somehow. And Great. I think that's lovely. <laughs> the more the merrier. <laughs> it made it like a different joke. And that's very endearing to me. That's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's very transformative. <laughs> he inserted himself into our inside joke. And I think that's amazing. So now it's like it's got a couple of layers on it. Anyway. Yeah. Because it just kind of slowly changes the joke over time into something mm-hmm. a little different. Yep, exactly. It just keeps going. It's the joke that just keeps on giving and giving. So what did you actually do for your summer vacation? <laughs> I spent most of it on the river uh, mm-hmm. tubing, you know, obviously with my mermaid tail. Wink. <laughs> wink. <laughs> 1,000 winks. <laughs> It was so funny because this year is especially windy. Don't worry. I'm not going to talk about the weather too much, but I will say that like it's been so especially windy in California that we um, – so normally we tube down the Sacramento River mm-hmm. and it takes like maybe an hour to get to our favorite spot where we get off and drink and hang out. Mm-hmm. And it's we were on the river last weekend for two and a half hours. <laughs> Because the wind was so strong. It kept blowing us back up the river. That's crazy. (laughs) It was so fucking annoying. And it was hilarious because I was just so hungry. Like I hadn't had lunch. And uh, the place we stop at has burgers. And I was just like, I need a burger. And I just kept like paddling myself down the river. Yeah. So funny that you have to fight the wind to actually let the river's current take you where it's supposed to go. Yes. We also, there's a little area that has kind of a whirlpool and you can get stuck in it on a regular mm-hmm. day. So we we got stuck on it. Me and my sister got stuck on this little whirlpool and it was so cute because the sheriffs uh, dro- drove by on their boat and my sister made a joke and was like, can you give us a tow out of here? And they did. They, <laughs> they did? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they came up to us and like gave us this hook that I put on my little raft. And they like <laughs> towed us out <laughs> of the whirlpool. It was very hilarious and really fun. Nice. Yeah. Did they give you a lecture on whirlpool safety? No. They were laughing a lot. And then we're like, you headed to Scotty's? <laughs> <laughs> so it was wonderful. Yeah, it was a great day. It was really long. I got really sun drunk. You earned your burger. It was glorious. I had to paddle so much. I did. I earned my burger. I was so tired. And then I had, you know, a couple of drinks and I was feeling amazing. It was like perfect. And and summer, you know, here doesn't end till early October. So it's still summer. <laughs> Yeah, it's still going to be summer there for a while. It's mm-hmm. it's still summery. It's still a little summery in Maryland too. Like proper mm-hmm. proper fall doesn't really start until the end of September. So uh, actually, uh, I've heard August referred to before by other Marylanders as the Devil's Front Porch. Uh huh. I feel like that's it, true everywhere. Here yeah, too, I think right? August is just really hot. August is just really it's just really hot, and in my case, muggy. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, because all the August babies are so hot. Yeah. Leo season. It's just, it's overwhelming with all these sexy people. (laughs) My birthday is August 16th. So (laughs) in case no one was aware, I'm one of those weird people who loves my birthday. (laughs) Not like, not too much. I don't think, I don't think I'm annoying about it. No, no, you're not. You're very charming about it. You're not (laughs) one of those people who insist that everyone celebrate all month long. Yeah. 
birthday month. I don't know. I think I've said that before, though, or birthday week. You've said it, but you don't enforce it. Like, saying it oh, is yeah. one thing. If you're one of the people that enforces it, I judge you a little bit, slash don't <laughs> want to be around you during your birthday month because you get a day. You get one. Yep. There is one day where you may enforce birthday whatever, <laughs> that, and I will go along with cheerfully because I like you, and I do want to celebrate the fact that you're here. It's oh. great. But I don't I, even... You don't get a month. I don't even really see it as like a day that I'm celebrating me. I just see it as like an excuse to party. <laughs> an excuse to throw something fun. And you, you know? do throw great birthday parties. Uh, it's why I love that you love your birthday because I love going to your birthday parties that you plan for yourself because you're really good at it and it's a lot of fun. There's just not enough holidays in between that mm-hmm. you get to celebrate. So I get antsy by August. Anyway... But we're back, baby. We're back, baby. I spent my summer vacation sitting on my front porch. Oh, I love that. It was ah, lovely. I read some front books. Porch. Yeah, get a front porch. That's I so recommend East Coast. Them. It's a very East Coast thing. I sat on my porch. I drank cool drinks. I mm-hmm. people watched. There's lots of there's lots of activity on my street. I nice. chit chatted with my neighbors because all of us our porches butt up against each other, and they were also enjoying the nice weather outside. Aww. Any good books? Um, yeah, I'm actually going to talk about one of them, uh, two of them actually on the show today that I read, uh, and then I'm I'm making my way through this book that came out in the spring called Siren Queen that I haven't finished yet, that but it's awesome. it's so awesome. It's uh, the plot is essentially this night this 1930s Chinese American starlet mm-hmm. uh, finds out that Hollywood is full of literal monsters <laughs> and then becomes a literal monster herself to get good parts. Why does that kind of sound like our book idea? It well, that's what Maddie said. That's Just what that's what Maddie bit. said. Matt, my my a sibling exactly said that. She says that kind of sounds like your celebrity werewolf book, <laughs> <laughs> which we totally will write someday. We'll do it someday because it's too good an idea not to do. That's awesome! Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. I want to. Yeah, read it's it. it's a lovely book. It's really it's it's written in this really dreamy prose. So you honestly you feel a little high while you're reading it. It's very hazy and super lyrical and very. I'm sold. I'm gonna get it. It's gorgeous. It's what so much sirens. Fun. It's called Siren Queen, and the the author is the author is Nevo. Cool. Well, I'll link it in our show notes. Yeah, please, please do because and uh, go buy it from bookshop.org or IndieBound. IndieBound. If Barnes and Noble is the option available to you in your area, fucking go for it. No judgment. But if you can, if you can wait a minute for IndieBound to ship you something, then you know support local booksellers. Yeah, that sounds amazing. It it was nice. I uh, I had I had a good time. It was it was a nice break. And now uh, it's back to being Hell's front porch instead of mine. Mm-hmm. So I'm back to being inside where I can escape. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're going to cut our inane chatter a little short today (laughs) oh yeah i don't know if anybody saw we got our first bad review (laughs) back in back in june (laughs) i don't know i kind of i i totally get it inane chatter and giggling it was so weird because my husband had asked me just like the weekend prior to me noticing it um if we had a bad review Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, not yet. But if we get one, it'll be about our giggling, I bet. 
and that was accurate. <laughs> and it made me laugh so much. Yeah, I get it. It's not for everyone. That's fine. Absolutely. Get out of um, here. It was delightful. <laughs> on, you do not you do not have to listen to our podcast. You might just not like podcasts very much in general. But I know the the inane chatter. They were saying like the story gets lost, and I can definitely see that um, for someone who just wants to listen to the story and not mm-hmm. the commentary. I totally it. get that. Totally, totally get it. Uh, mm-hmm. Not, not. This is not required listening. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we also got another uh, another review though. Yes. Oh, yeah. I am. Um, this one was nice. Uh, that we completely missed somehow. It was all the way back in March. Mm-hmm. When we first started begging people for more reviews. So thank you very much, person you. who actually did it. Here, I'm going to read it because it made me so excited to see it. But I wanted to thank Milkmaid08 on Apple Podcasts. Uh, they Bless said you. it was a fun way to drive home from work. Abby and Kelsey will tell you a story or two and make that drive home in awful traffic better. You will laugh. You will cry. You will make other drivers wonder what is wrong with you, which is my favorite. (laughs) You know, my favorite's coming up. Seriously, though, these ladies have a thoughtful methodology for critiquing fairy tales and making it more palatable in a modern society. I've now realized that my greatest aspiration should have always been to be a witch in the woods. Yes! Which is so good. (laughs) I love that so much. So thank you, Milkmaid, whoever you are. I'm sure you're on our Discord. Uh, Let us know if you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. That's really sweet. Um, I love being called thoughtful and someone thinking that I have a methodology. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Makes us sound really smart. And we really appreciate you for that. I just like that we helped you discover your true passion of becoming a witch in the wood. It's what everyone's passion should be. Every, Every single human being on the planet. If they were a witch who lived in the woods, I think would be a lot happier. Literally the dream. Yeah. Stupid cultural society expectations and needing a job and internet. And- job, internet, and indoor plumbing and money and stuff. So we just want to thank all of our patrons so much. And we also want to give a shout out to our newest patron, Shanti. Shanti, we love you. Hope that's him saying your name correctly. Let me know if that's incorrect. But we just want to thank you so much for joining us over our vacation. You are the best. And we also want to thank all of our other amazing patrons, Sarah, Hannah, Nick, Olivia, Melissa, Ellie, Caroline, Jordan, Jeremy, Madeline, Kaylee, Zach, Kelsey, Dami, Chris, Jen, Julia, Adam, Noah, Ricky, Elizabeth, and Angel. Thank you. Thank you all so much. I am ridiculously excited. Uh, we have something very special for you today for our uh, first episode back. We're going to be. Can you guess what it is yet? I like to okay, see so the instrument parts. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh God. It's a it's Aladdin. We're doing Aladdin. Woo! Woohoo. I'm so excited. One of my yeah, favorites. me too. I've never actually read the story, so I'm I'm really excited about it. I've only um, you know, seen seen the Disney movie, so I'm really excited to see 
what they kept from it and what they scrapped. I also understand that it's very, very long. So Yeah, it's a long one. Although there's a lot of dialogue, so it might go faster than I think. I can't tell. Okay, we'll we'll find out. So the story Aladdin and the Wonderful Lamp is one of the stories in the 1001 Nights uh, folktale collection. And the 1001 Nights has a very interesting framing story around the entire thing. So I'm going to do the framing story for 1001 Nights before we get into Aladdin. First, I want to do just like a very, a very small amount of history. It's a very, very shallow overview. If you want a deeper dive into 1001 Nights, then the fairy tellers uh, naturally have a fantastic series on it that you should go check out if you're curious about getting more in depth into the history. I just... Go listen to the smart people <laughs> over at the yes. fairy tellers. They Katrina do and Jeff are incredible. <laughs> they do really smart history. Yeah. And so go listen to that and then come back and you can listen to us goof goof off. But just a quick overview of the 1001 Nights, if you're not familiar. It's a collection of Middle Eastern folk tales that were first compiled during the Islamic Golden Age, which is the eighth through the 14th centuries. So it's very medieval collection. Uh, It was collected over many centuries previous by various authors, translators, and scholars across West, Central, and South Asia and North Africa. A lot of stories in 1001 Nights can be traced back to root stories in uh, medieval Arabic, Egyptian, Indian, Persian, and Mesopotamian folklore and literature. So it's just a a huge smorgasbord of all of the countries in that that very broad region uh, contributing contributing various stories to it that were compiled into this collection. I did think this was interesting, and you may have already discovered this looking into Aladdin, but I did want to mention that uh, Aladdin and the Wonderful Lamp and Alibaba and the Forty Thieves, which are two of the most prominent stories from 1001 Nights, yeah. were not originally a part of this collection. Uh, uh-huh. They were added by a folklorist called Antoine Galland. Who got the stories mm-hmm. from Hannah Diab. Yeah, yeah, who was a Syrian storyteller that With, came to Paris. Without credit, uh, which is rude. Of yes. Gallant. He, he's French, right? So ga- yeah. Gaillant. Gaillant. Or, I don't know. Whatever. Gallant. He was rude. He was rude. He was a contemporary of, uh, he was a contemporary of Charles Perrault, if that gives you a, an idea of like the time period. He also um, actually, um, from what I read, also conspired to get Diab sent back to Aleppo. That's fucked up. Yeah, fuck that guy. So like so this guy comes to Paris, tells a couple awesome stories and then mm-hmm. Antoine wants to claim them for himself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wow. That's exactly right. Well, I mean, that's that is what some very colonizer energy. Okay. And- that is what it said on Wikipedia. <laughs> anyway, so I believe it though. Uh, it sounds it sounds right. That's big and, European energy. <laughs> and Aladdin was probably published um, from Antoine in 1710, <laughs> to give you an idea. <laughs> I love the way you said that. Antoine. <laughs> Antoine. Because I can't say his last name. I, yeah, I gave up on saying his last name. I am grateful that we do have the incredible story of Aladdin, though. So there is something to be said yes. for that, I suppose. I, I'm glad. I'm glad that it was included and that it's survived this mm-hmm. long. 
um, so that we can so that we can still read it. Uh, there are also another story that people might be really familiar with because there was a DreamWorks movie made about this was uh, Sinbad, and mm-hmm. uh, Sinbad was also added to the One Thousand and One Nights sort of after the original compilation. Um, and it had had like sort of a long storied history outside of that compilation beforehand, but then it got added into 1001 nights afterwards. Um, you'll also, you've also, you also have probably heard of 1001 nights referred to as the Arabian nights, mm-hmm. which is where we, where we get that. And there are more fun stories from that book that I do plan to read. There later. are so many, you know, there are just, they're they're kind of a lot of the ones that I like are really long, so that's why I haven't read them yet. Honestly, yeah, really long, really funny, really cool, mm-hmm. really what the fuck? It's fantastic. So that's the one thousand and one nights. Um, I'm going to be reading the framing story, which is the story of Shahrazad, uh, for you, and I'm going to be reading it from the Richard F. Burton translation of. 1001 Nights is called The Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night. So it was published in the 1880s by Richard Burton. I thought that this was really interesting, though, because this was sort of at the height of Victorian moral decency, strictness, and and various laws about that. So it actually was because there's so much sexual content in the Arabian Nights that it actually was technically pornography as far as the Victorians were concerned. So in order to read it, you had to have a private subscription to be able to read 1001 nights sexy (laughs) super sexy i want some of those stories (laughs) yeah there's i mean there's so many there's so many of them it's raunchy it's it's there's some there's some really naughty stuff in here Ooh, we're gonna get into it we we sure are at some point i hope (laughs) yeah i definitely i definitely want to he published um, an original 10 volumes, and then he did an additional seven after that. So there's because there are 1001 stories mm-hmm. in here. So and they're all pretty long. So it's it's got several volumes. And I also just wanted to briefly mention this. This is taken directly from from Wikipedia, and it's got quote marks around it. Uh, but Burton's 17 volumes, while boasting many prominent admirers, have been criticized for their archaic language and extravagant idiom and obsessive <laughs> focus on sexuality. They have even been called an eccentric ego trip and a highly personal reworking of the text. His voluminous and obscurely detailed notes and appendices have been characterized as obtrusive, kinky, and highly personal. Oh, my. Oh, my. And there's also, there, based on some of the sexual content in these stories, there was also a lot of speculation about his sexuality. Oh, I love as it. As well. So we might have another chaotic Victorian bisexual boy. God, I fucking <laughs> hope so. On our hands. Damn. In the best way. <laughs> In the best way and, and the worst way, because there's also one of the criticisms of his translation is that he is that he did take a lot of personal liberties. And he was trying to he was trying to sort of evoke Chaucer, who wrote the Canterbury Tales, which were another like medieval collection of mm-hmm. English stories. Uh, he was trying to evoke Chaucer with his translation, and he also uh, changed a lot of it to suit him. Mm. So th- it is it is still the more pu- it is still the most prevalent translation of One Thousand and One Nights. So it is what I'm going off of, and it, it's also what I could find on Project Gutenberg's website. Uh-huh. 
So that's I'm so I'm going with his translation, but I I, I just want to caveat, take it with a grain of salt, mm-hmm. because it was a Victorian English boy who translated it, and he definitely had his own opinions, perspectives, and agendas that went into the translation. So I'm excited um, to talk about that a little bit today because I read two versions. Nice, I'm excited about this. Okay, so the framing story. I'm going to summarize because it's. It's really long, very upsettingly sexist and very upsettingly racist uh, for a good chunk of the first part of the story. So I'm just going to briefly summarize and then and then read it more faithfully after that. Okay. Um, so to to quickly to quickly summarize the first part of this framing device, there is a sultan called Shariar. And he and his younger brother, uh, Shah Zaman, have a very close relationship. Shah Zaman is his second, it's his second in command. So Shariar goes to visit his brother in a different city and spend some time with him. They have a great time. And then the king returns to his own city to find his wife um, having... Uh, an orgy essentially with a bunch of the household servants mm-hmm. and he naturally has them all put to death naturally obviously and just join in <laughs> and <laughs> hey, he, this looks like fun <laughs> yes instead of joining in like any sensible man <laughs> he has uh he has these household servants and his wife all put to death and he's very upset about it um he goes and he complains to his brother about how this woman has completely dishonored him and he doesn't know what to do about going forward to sort of re- reclaim himself and reclaim his energy <laughs> and mm-hmm. um and doesn't really know how to proceed so he and his brother do drugs Sounds sounds right. Yep, definitely sounds about right. And they each have the same vision. And well, what they envision they're is so a, connected. They're so connected. They're really close. That's cute. It is cute. Um, until it's not. <laughs> 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 it's super cute until it's oh, very God. not cute at all. So they each have this vision of this beautiful woman who appears to them alongside this really frightening ifrit which is a mythological being in islamic culture they're often associated with fire and the underworld and the dead and they you know typically are sort of represented by like smoke and smoke and flame and horns and they're just essentially mm-hmm. like these very like scary demons mm-hmm. so there's a scary ifrit with this very beautiful woman and the beautiful woman is able to subdue the Ifrit briefly. Like she, she puts him to sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, she like lays his head in her lap and she pets his hair and she makes him go to sleep. And then she, you know, gets, then she gets up after the Ifrit falls asleep and goes like, Oh, that's my husband. Uh, but he's sleeping now. So you two can fuck me. <laughs> And they are like, what? No, we're not going to do that. Your husband's right there. (laughs) Why would we do that? And she's like, if you don't fuck me, I'll wake him up and make him kill you. So this exchange goes back back and forth a couple times until they finally agree to have sex with her. And so they both have sex with her. 
And then they ask her why she wanted that from them afterwards. And she tells them like, oh, um, you, you oh, see this Ifrit here. Like he stole me. I was like, I was not like a willing bride for him. He, he kidnapped me and forced me to marry him. And so now every time he goes to sleep, I enjoy running around behind his back with other men. Mm-hmm. Just to just to really stick the knife in mm-hmm. for this guy, which honestly, that sounds fair to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> I get it. I totally get that. That makes sense. Uh, I'm I'm happy that she's found a way to, you know, make this life okay for her. I guess. Yeah. Um, stick it to the man. Stick it to the men. Um, that's not the lesson these men take from it. The lesson these men take from this encounter is that all women are sluts. All women will eventually dishonor you and Mm. all women are awful and are just not to be trusted. So sounds like it was written by a serial killer. Doesn't it though? And (laughs) Oh, Oh boy. Oh, I forgot to ask you for predictions on what you thought the framing story was about. Uh, it's too late. It's too late. I, I've kind of heard it before. I don't remember okay. a lot of this part, but I remember the rest of it. I'm pretty sure. Okay, great. Well, uh, this part was all news to me. I only knew the second half of this. Yeah, yeah. But I think I know it because you told me. Like probably. Okay. Yeah. Well, then I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep going. Um, because yes, it gets very serial killery. Mm-hmm. So, um, Shariar wakes up and he, you know, he might he like he still must have a wife. It's you know. Something he still wants and still needs is to have a wife. But he says that like, oh, well, you know, I'll solve my problem this way. If I can't trust women, then I will just marry a noble virgin every night. And then after we've lain together, I will kill her in the morning and marry a new virgin in the next night. Perfect. And in this manner, no woman can dishonor me. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Perfect logic. If you think about it, the man's just making sense. It's very upsetting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember that part of the story, but. um... No. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I love it. Tell me more. Okay. I feel like we're on a true crime podcast now. <laughs> this is a, it's a little bit, it's, it's a, a false, little bit a false crime. <laughs> okay. So I will now, I'm now going to sort of like read the, the, the story going forward to the part that we're more familiar with. So okay. in this way, he continued for the space of three years, marrying a maiden every night and killing her the next morning till folk raised an outcry against him and cursed him praying Allah utterly to destroy him and his rule. And women made an uproar and mothers wept and parents fled with their daughters till there remained not in the city, a young person fit for carnal copulation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Bye. Bye. Not living here anymore. Presently, the king ordered his chief vizier, the same who was charged with the executions, to bring him a virgin as was his wont, and the minister went forth and searched and found none. So he returned home in sorrow and anxiety, fearing for his life from the king. Now, he had two daughters, Scheherazade and Danyazad of whom the elder had perused the books, annals, and legend of preceding kings and the stories, examples, and instances of gone of bygone men and things 
Indeed, it was said that she had collected a thousand books of histories relating to antique races and departed rulers. She had perused the works of the poets and knew them by heart. She had studied philosophy and the sciences, art and accomplishments, and she was pleasant and polite, wise and witty, well-read and well-bred. Now on that day, she said to her father, why do I see thee thus changed and laden with care? Concerning this matter, quoth one of the poets, tell whoso hath sorrow, grief shall never last. Even as joy hath no morrow, so woe shall go past. When the vizier heard from his daughter those words, he related to her from first to last all that had happened between he and the king. Thereupon she said, by Allah, O my father, how long shall the slaughter of women endure? Shall I tell thee what is in my mind in order to save both sides from destruction? Say on, O my daughter, quoth he. And quoth she, I wish thou would gifts me in marriage to this king Shariar. Either I shall live, or I shall be a ransom for the virgin daughters of Muslims and the cause of their deliverance from his hands and thine. So he gets super mad. He obviously does not want to give his daughter mm-hmm. up for this. But she's he a says, fucking awesome, badass brave feminist yes she's a fucking awesome brave badass humanist and feminist uh and doesn't and wants to save all wants to save the women of her country from from this plague well you know from a horrifying story this is becoming very empowering and i love that's why i like that's why i still like the story even Mm -hmm. though it's it's horror like the first bits are horrifying and awful but this but this really brave intelligent well-read well-educated like brave brave woman um saves so many lives Mm um i fucking i fucking like so i fucking like it it's good (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah He says, I will not expose thy life to such peril. How dare thou address me in words so wide from wisdom and unfar from foolishness? Know that one who lacketh experience in worldly matters readily falleth into misfortune, and whoso considereth not the end keepeth not the world to friend. Blah, 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 more medieval Chaucer talk. I can totally Mm -hmm. see why people criticize Burton Uh (laughs) for translating it this way. Because it's just like, that's... My guy, that sentence does not make sense to a modern English reader. <laughs> yeah, so he's so he doesn't want her to go. She says, needs must though. Uh, make me a doer of this good deed and let him kill me as he will. I shall die a ransom for others. And he says, how shall that profit thee when thou shalt have thrown away my life? And she answered, oh, my father, it must be come of it what will. And so he finally you know, gives in Mm -hmm. and allows her to go. Hereupon the vizier being weary of lamenting and contending, persuading and dissuading her all to no purpose, went to King Shariar and after blessing him and kissing the ground before him, told him all about his dispute with his daughter from first to last and how he designed to bring her to him that night. And the king is very surprised because he had made an exception for the vizier's daughters um, because he he loves this man. This man's been a faithful servant to him. And he mm-hmm. uh, was he had decided that he was going to spare his daughters. And so mm-hmm. he's like, I, you know what I do. <laughs> like, you understand that if you bring me your daughter, I will kill her tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, why would you bring her to me? And he replies, Allah guide thee to glory and lengthen thy life, O king of the age. It is she that hath so determined. 
all of this I have told her and more, but she will not hearken to me. And she persists in passing this coming night with your majesty. So Shariar says, great, tis well, go get her ready. And this night, bring her to me. It's very excited. Creep. He's a a fucking creep and a giant asshole. And after pleading with her one more time to not, to not make him desolate with her loss, uh, Mm -hmm. she, she still insists on going and says that Scheherazade rejoiced with exceeding joy and got ready all she required and said to her younger sister, Dunyazad, uh, note well what directions I entrust to thee. When I have gone to the king, I will send for thee. And when thou comest me and sees that he has had his carnal will of me, uh, do thou say to me, O my sister, relate to me some new story, delectable and delightsome, the better to speed our waking hours. And I will tell you a tale that shall be our deliverance and which shall turn the king from his bloody thirsty custom. So when it was night, their father carried Scheherazade to the king, who was gladdened at the sight and asked, hast thou brought me my need? And he answered, I have. And they have sex, and she asks to say goodbye to her sister. Her sister, Dunyazad, comes in and asks her for one more story before she dies. Uh, Scheherazade turns to the king and says, like, oh, is this, is this okay? Like, will you, will you permit me mm-hmm. to tell her this story? And the king says, tell on, because he chanced to be sleepless and restless and therefore was pleased with the prospect of hearing her story. So Scheherazade rejoiced and thus on the first night of the thousand nights and a night, she began with the tale of the traitor and the jinn. And so the story goes on in this way where it, it's, it's a very storyteller type story where, um, she, where like Scheherazade always opens it with, it has reached mine ears, O auspicious king, that such mm-hmm. and such a thing has happened. And she's able to put him off for 1001 nights because every time the dawn approaches, she cuts off her story and is like, mm-hmm. Oh, well you're about to murder me. Um, so I can't finish the story. Darn. Darn. What a shame. <laughs> and she's such a good storyteller that he mm-hmm. keeps that. He's like, all right. All right. One more night. One more night. Yeah. I'll spare your life for one more day. And so then she'll, so the next night she'll, she'll finish her story from the previous night and start a new one mm-hmm. and she'll never quite finish it. And so she keeps this up for 1000 nights, which is about two years and seven months mm-hmm. until finally he realizes that he's fallen in love with her and um, thinks that like has changed his mind and decided that like, you know, he can trust her. And so he spares her life permanently and makes her his queen. And that's that's the framing story for 1001 Nights. It was funny because we had originally wanted that to be the framing device for our podcast. And mm-hmm. we were both really, really glad that we didn't do that because yikes. Yikes. I am glad we did. <laughs> I mean, to say to say that like Bluebeard is a lighter story is fucking that's hilarious. Tr- but that's, that's true. it's true, though. <laughs> It is. It is. Somehow, because you're not right there in the midst of this person deciding, oh, I just need to kill a woman every night so she can't cheat on me. Yeah, but I still need to marry and have sex with these women. Yeah. But to make sure they can't cheat on me, I'll kill them every morning. Very serial killery. Uh, yeah. Very creepy. I love Scheherazade. She is a badass. Yes. 
And a great storyteller, obviously. Yes, an uh, incredible queen. storyteller. My fix for that story is that she kills him mm-hmm. instead of telling him any stories. <laughs> that she just fucking kills him. She and just becomes- like lures him to the balcony and pushes him off or something. Or I guess she she would have to convince him and then she betrays him in the worst way instead of cheating on him. She mm-hmm. fucking kills him. And I she's just that. queen. That's a great that's a great fix. <laughs> That's my fix for that story. Um, my fix is a little different because I want her to still tell all the stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my fix is that I want him at the end of one of the one thousand nights to realize that he is a vicious, shallow, terrible serial killer monster, and to install Shahrazad as queen, and then like remand himself to the deepest dungeon somewhere or she orders his execution or something yeah oof that's oof. that's some heavy shit i have one or two more things that i want to say before we before we leave shaharazad behind um those are our fixes for the story but i actually read two great retellings of Ooh. the shaharazad framing device uh over I the summer that. uh one of them is a short story and it's from this it's from a book called love and color and oh my god! I swear, someone else recommended that. Oh yeah, and I it's was thinking great. about reading it. It's fantastic. You'll I've you would seen that book. love it. Um, it's by Bolu. It's by Balu Babalola, uh, mm-hmm. and she has taken a lot of sort of like famous love stories about uh, brown and black women. And mm-hmm. rewritten them and, and essentially done a fairy tale fix. She has done, she has rewritten <gasps> them for it. a modern sensibility and, and a modern, modern retelling. So Scheherazade is the second story in this I'm buying book. that immediately. It's really good. It's, it's a great book. So I hope that there's about a million people out there recommending it. So yeah, that's, that's, yeah. we'll link it in our show notes. That's Love and Color, Mythical Tales from Around the World Retold by Bolu Babalola and it's fucking fantastic um I also read a book called The Wrath and the Dawn Mm -hmm. which is a it's a YA book and it's it's a YA it's a YA retelling of Scheherazade by Renee by Renee Adea or Adea and that's uh like I, th- I think that I think that was a, it's also an excellent an excellent fairy tale fix esque uh, retelling mm-hmm. of of the Scheherazade framing story. So um, I highly recommend that one as well. That story has so much potential. Mm-hmm. It really does. And, uh, although honestly, I will say I would read it, or I would love to watch a movie adaptation with my fix. <laughs> or after she becomes queen, she just fucking kills him. <laughs> That'd be pretty great. Oh, no. I don't think I could handle the first part. That's so horrific. The first part's horrific. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I didn't even really... I wouldn't want to watch that. That would just be... That's not even horror movie funny. That's just sad and... Sad and horror movie funny. That's that's, that's how I watch horror movies. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Horror movie funny. Kill those sexy teens. (laughs) It's but it's not even it's not even kill those sexy teens energy. It's it's all women are bad. Um, Yeah. Although you know that there would be a bunch of women lining up to like be one of the wives. You know how like sure. serial killers have fans, fans? and like <laughs> absolutely write to them in jail and shit. Yeah, that blow like me- poor mentally ill people that just need 
to be associated with someone who's famous for something, I guess. I don't know. Totally. Or would want their shot at being queen of maybe, maybe I'll change his mind. Yeah. Oh, I bet that one. Somehow. I bet it. I bet at first there were a lot of girls who were like, he won't kill me. (laughs) Yep. I bet. And he would. That was one. That was luckily the one that worked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Shahrazad, Shahrazad's strategy was, Mm -hmm. was a good one because he's a lucky one. Was a lucky one. Um, Because he was bored. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And she's an excellent storyteller. So, yeah. Um, There's actually, I actually, I misread a sentence. It's actually even grosser and weirder. And I have to tell you this sentence than I thought. It's, it's, it's towards, it's towards the end. I thought that I thought I, the way I read it first is they summon, they summon her sister to ask for a story after they've had sex. Uh huh. That's what you said. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I said. And that's how I originally wrote it. Um, that's not how that went. Um, so it says the king took her to his bed and fell to toying with her and wished to go into her. And she wept, which made him ask what aileth thee aside from the fact that like, I'm going to have sex with you and then murder you in the morning. <laughs> oh, what's wrong? <laughs> hey, baby, what's wrong? <laughs> and uh, she replied like, oh, king of the age, I have a younger sister and I would take leave of her this night before I see the dawn. So he sent it once for Dunyazad and she came and kissed the ground between his hands when he permitted her to take her seat near the foot of the couch. Then the king arose and did away with his bride's maidenhead and then the three fell asleep. Oh, and then when it was midnight, Scheherazade awoke and signaled to her sister who sat up and asked for a story. (laughs) Just a a sigh and. Okay. Okay. (laughs) That was a story that sorry, the ending is even weirder than I, um, originally thought so i had to say that i also think that's the moment the wine hit me just now Mm -hmm. or maybe i don't know (laughs) so aladdin story so aladdin and the wonderful lamp (laughs) so the story is very long and or this is just going to be an extra long episode i think it should be me too it comes jam-packed we come bearing gifts from our long hiatus we come Mm -hmm. bearing the gifts of really long banana stories Basically, I needed to take the time, that whole time off, I was retyping out the story because I wanted to have it on my Google Docs right there. Nice. So, uh, we talked about the history a little bit. Um, I read two different versions. I read my favorite, which is A Choice of Magic Mm -hmm. uh, by Ruth Manning Sanders, of course, Goddess of Fairy Tales, although her version is extra, extra long. So, a lot of this is from. Andrew Lang's translated version, which it says he translated the it's it was the tales from the Arabian Nights. Uh, yeah, he very mel he very well may have like the um yeah. Richard Richard Burton did, I think like the very first unabridged translation. Yeah, uh, and it was the one that I found on Project Gutenberg. But but individual stories have been translated mm-hmm. like multiple times, a bunch of times. Yeah. So I kind of put these two together, but it's mostly by Ruth Manning Sanders just because I really love the way that she writes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do you want to give me any predictions on how you think it's different from the... Okay, first of all, 
let's just talk about the Disney movie for a second. Because I know everyone knows the story of Aladdin from the 1992 version. Uh huh. At least. Um, that I rewatched last night. I also rewatched it last night. <laughs> it's so it's, fucking good. It's very good. Like, <laughs> Disney nailed this one. Mm-hmm. It's or Robin Williams nailed this one. Robin Williams nailed this one. I No, the, the music, all the music. Oh my god. Uh Leah Salonga um. is she has the most beautiful voice. If you've never she plays the voice of Jasmine and she sings. She also sings uh the voice of Mulan. She doesn't mm-hmm. do the talking voice, but she does the speaking voice. She is the most incredible singer. Mm-hmm. She's so professional and she just gives me chills. I am obsessed with her. Absolutely. Obsessed. As you should be. She's an incredible singer. We've waxed I think we've we've waxed a lot. We've waxed poetic about her before. Probably during the Mulan episode. It's it's worth uh, you have to watch this. I have to post this um, to all of our social media. There's a medley that she does Mm -hmm. of all these like Disney songs. And she just has the most incredible voice. I love this movie so much. I had so much fun watching it. I loved watching it last night. Me too. It's a really it's a really good, really good movie. Is there's there's never a dull moment. It's. Like every single song is flawless. Uh, mm-hmm. Robin Williams is flawless. Jafar is a delightful villain because he's just so happy. You know, he is he's so just fun. having, he's out here having a great fucking time. And him <laughs> and his boy, Iago. Guy. I know, they're such good friends. They Cover make each other laugh. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, it's really good. It's a very good movie. I like it a lot. Um, I discovered last night that it's Steven's favorite Disney movie. Oh, it's Adam's favorite. Yeah, well, it's a good choice. Aladdin is his first favorite, but Hercules is very, very close. Also a solid choice. Yeah. Another movie with flawless songs. <laughs> it really helps when the music is just... Oh, so good. Prince Prince Ali still gets me so excited. So yeah, so it'll be really fun. I'll, I'll kind of talk about Aladdin as we go through the story and mm-hmm. we'll obviously feel free to interject. It is different, but it's also very similar. Like They really did take this fairy tale. And honestly, made it better. <laughs> Disney's version is kind of my fix. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. Do you want to make any predictions an on how it's clue. different? Yeah. Because that's all I really have to go off of. I've never read the original story. And I don't think mm-hmm. I've ever watched um, or read a, a different, like, a different interpretation. I know I gave you a spoiler on accident at one point. You did. So I I know that there is no like big blue genie exactly. Uh, Um, This is a different spoiler that I think you have forgotten about. Oh, I must have because I don't remember it. (laughs) But uh, yeah, give me give me like three predictions for how you think it's different from the movie. I think Aladdin is younger than the protagonist in the Disney movie. Um, to be more specific, I am going to predict that Aladdin is like 12 or 13 instead of 16 okay. to 17. I think the love story is barely in it. I okay. think that it's mostly not a love story. I, I think that there still is one. I just think that it's a much smaller, it's a much smaller part of the story. Okay. I don't think Aladdin marries a princess. I think he marries like he marries a a, a rich girl, but I don't think she's a princess. Those okay. are my three predictions. 
Perfect. I love it. Without further ado, Aladdin. I'm so excited. <laughs> I love the music so much. I wish we could have it going in the background the whole time. Um, Ruth Manning Sanders actually sectioned these out. So this portion of the story is called The Idle Boy. Once upon a time and far away in an eastern country, there lived a very idle boy called Aladdin. His father was a poor tailor and he tried to teach Aladdin his trade, but Aladdin wouldn't learn. No sooner was his father's back turned than the naughty boy was off and out into the streets. (laughs) He did nothing but romp about and get into mischief. And this so grieved his father that he fell ill and died. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Which is really intense. He's really disappointed in his son. Wow. That is a very intense reaction to that. That's got to stay. I mean, like, we've all been disappointing children at one time or another, (laughs) but I never thought my mother was going to die of it. Yeah. Then Aladdin's mother wept and said, Surely now you will mend your ways or we will starve. But Aladdin wouldn't mend his ways, and his poor mother had scarcely enough to buy bread. And there's actually supposed to be a song about this. They, Hmm. They had written a song about this for the original Aladdin called proud of your boy but they wrote they wrote aladdin's mom out of it so they got rid of it of course of course they did because as i've said before you can't have adventures if your mom is around caring about you (laughs) (laughs) well wait and see (laughs) well one day when aladdin was a play When Aladdin was playing in the streets, as usual, a stranger passed by. Now, you must know that this stranger was a mighty wizard who had flown all the way from Africa seeking a boy to serve his ends. Sound familiar? Maybe. (laughs) He kept his eye on Aladdin, and the moment he found him all alone, he went up to him and said, Surely you must be the son of Mustafa, the tailor. So I am, said Aladdin. What of it? So Aladdin's just like a little street gangster. What of it? really funny. (laughs) He's all tough. Who's asking? (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't Aladdin astonished when the wizard flung flung his arms around him and kissed him many times? Oh, The wizard claimed to be Aladdin's uncle and asked Aladdin to take him to his brother right away. Well, I can't do that, said Aladdin, because he's dead. Then the wizard wept. Dead. Oh, no. I've come all the way from Africa to find him. And you say he is dead? Oh, my boy, what a terrible blow. But here, take these few small coins. Go quickly to your mother. Give her my love and tell her I will come to visit her tomorrow. So Aladdin ran home and told his mother what had happened. Oh, my boy, what will you say next? You have no uncle. (laughs) But he told me he was my father's brother, said Aladdin. He cried and kissed me. He gave me some money and sent you his love. He said he would visit us tomorrow. Confused but happy to have a little extra money, the next day Aladdin's mother went out and bought food and spent all day preparing supper. Nice. In the evening, the wizard came, bringing quantities of fruit and wine. He embraced Aladdin's mother and said, My dear sister, you mustn't be surprised that you've never seen me. For 40 years I have traveled abroad, but come, show me the place where my brother used to sit. There on the sofa, said she, pray sit there yourself. 
but the wizard fell on his knees and kissed the sofa. Alas, my poor brother, he wept. <laughs> no, no, wizard. heaven forbid that I should take your place. But allow me, sister, to take seat the opposite the sofa, so He's that if bunch. I may not behold my brother, I may at least behold the place where he used to sit. Wow. <laughs> Which uh, is personally giving me real calculon vibes here such from, uh, calculon vibes yes absolutely <laughs> calculon from futurama is a character that overacts yeah and goes no no <laughs> very over the top soap opera acting uh-huh still better She's acting than jafar though <laughs> i still don't understand how aladdin didn't cotton on to the fact that this man was sinister as hell <laughs> I mean, he's already giving him money. And by this time, the wizard had quite won the heart of Aladdin's mother. And when they had eaten their supper, he asked Aladdin about his trade. Are you a tailor like your father? Aladdin hung his head and his mother answered, Oh, brother, Aladdin does no work at all. (laughs) His father tried to teach him his trade, but he wouldn't learn. He spends all his time in the streets with bad companions. He is an idle wretch, and (laughs) I have almost made my mind up to turn him out of the doors. And with that, the poor woman burst into tears. Aww. I love his mother so much. Me too. very dramatic. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, that's not dramatic. Her husband died, and her father – or her – her son's a little piece of shit. Yeah. Um, it's his job as the man of the house to contribute to the household funds and to make sure that like the household is running at all. And he's not doing it. So he's an extra mouth to feed. He's dead mm-hmm. weight. Like, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be to check yeah, out. Yeah, this Aladdin sucks. Yeah. He is, <laughs> he is not the bright-eyed, he is not the bright-eyed dreamer of the cartoon. Mm-hmm. They do kind of have that in the cartoon a little bit, which I really appreciate, though. They have it a little bit, but he's at least scrappy enough to go out and steal his food. Yeah. You have to make him, like, lovable. Mm-hmm. Lovable rascal. <laughs> exactly. So the wizard turned to Aladdin and said, Nephew, this is not right. You must think of helping yourself and your mother. But perhaps your father's trade does not appeal to you. Come now. How would you like to keep a shop? I will take one for you and stock it with all sorts of fine stuffs. What do you say? And Aladdin was very interested and very excited about this prospect. Hmm. And this new section is called the Underground Palace. (gasps) Yes. Oh, yes, please. Tell me more. I.e. the Cave of Wonders. Fuck yes. The next morning, the wizard came yet again for Aladdin. Today, nephew, we will go into the country and enjoy ourselves, and tomorrow we'll see about taking a shop for you. After a day of very fatherly advice and sharing cakes and buying him lots of goods, what a Aladdin long game. much trusted the wizard. <laughs> yeah, he's he's really like coming through for Aladdin in a time of, you know, I mean, I think Aladdin's obviously probably grieving for his father still. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. probably pretty grateful to randomly have a new father figure absolutely one that's taking such good care of him absolutely Mm -hmm. i'm just saying that the wizard's got uh you know he's playing the long game this is this is a good con he's putting a lot of work into it he is for sure i also uh, if you ever read the ruth manning sanders version i had to cut a lot out because it is very long (laughs) i will definitely read it after this so they came to a narrow valley between two mountains 
The wizard lit a fire, took some white powder from his purse, and muttered some words that Aladdin did not understand, and threw the powder on the fire. Immediately, the ground opened, and there at the wizard's feet was a big flat stone with a brass ring fastened to it. Aladdin was frightened. He would have run away, but the wizard caught him by the arm and shook him roughly. You fool of a boy, he cried. Am I not your uncle? Can you not trust me? Obey me and your fortune is made, but I will have nothing to do with cowards. Nice. Under this stone lies a treasure that will make you richer than the greatest monarch of the world. Now, if you are brave enough, take hold of the ring, lift the stone, and fetch your fortune. Heck yeah. At the word fortune, <laughs> Aladdin forgot his fears. <laughs> He's a cute kid. Perks and by right the up. way, it doesn't actually say how old he is, but I think you're right. I think uh, he is very young in this story. He seems youngish. Because mm-hmm. usually by like 6, 17, 16, 17, you're like, you're a man now, you know? Yep. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think he's like 10 or 11. Yeah, because it's like or right like around the age where like mm-hmm. in medieval times, your mother might expect you to man up and take and take over the family business if your father dies. Mm-hmm. Like you should at least be apprenticed somewhere. Yeah. At that age. Which is also kind of sad calling him an idle boy because like... He's a kid. Yeah, he's a baby. He's a baby. He's a baby. (laughs) He's a little baby. (laughs) So Aladdin took the ring and gave it a pull, and the stone came up quite easily. Under the stone, there were steps going down, and there was a closed door at the foot of the steps. Go down, nephew, said the wizard. Open that door. It would lead you into a palace divided into three great halls. At the end of the third hall, you will come into a garden planted with fruit trees. Walk across the garden to a terrace where you will see a niche, and on the niche, a lighted lamp. Take down the lamp, empty out the oil, and bring the lamp to me. And the fortune, uncle, said Aladdin. Mm, Ah, the fortune, (laughs) chuckled the wizard. (laughs) (laughs) That will be given to you when you have brought up the lamp, i.e. you will get your reward. You will get your (laughs) your eternal reward. (laughs) Y'all, that movie is so fucking good. Although I and 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 the the Cave of Wonders is also like a giant tiger with an earring. Yes, very very cool, very very cool sequence. Um, very much improved. Epic. <laughs> so fucking epic. Okay. Princess Jasmine has a pet tiger. That's pretty fucking epic. It's oh, I mean still my favorite thing about her. They They really nailed that movie. Did okay. Did a good job. Anyway. Aladdin went down the steps, opened the door, and at the bottom came to a came into the palace with three great halls. He passed through the halls into the garden with fruit trees. Walked through the terrace, lifted down the lamp from its niche, emptied out the oil, and thrust the lamp onto the front of his robe, tying his sash tightly beneath it. Hmm. Much easier than in the movie. He can actually touch things. Um, Yeah. His pet monkey doesn't ruin it by grabbing a giant red gemstone. (laughs) I'm really sad that he doesn't have a pet monkey I'm a little bummed out that Abu is is made up for the movie. Yeah, and Carpet. Carpet is probably my all-time favorite character from that movie. That mm-hmm. whole scene where he first meets them, like, how does an inanimate object have just the most personality of any any character ever? And Carpet's such a wingman. Okay, anyway. It's a sub- sublime character. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so he's already gotten the lamp, and mm-hmm. on his way back through the garden, he paused to admire the trees, which were glittering with fruit of every color. I do like that. Yeah, that it's it like a really garden. does give some it's beautiful very, imagery. Yeah, I, I really, I really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it's also kind of giving a little bit um the twelve dancing princesses where like they get followed under the ground and like there's like trees of gold and silver and diamond and yeah it's like, really magical I like it a lot. Aladdin reached to pick up some of the fruit, but to his disappointment, he found that they were stones. Bummer. Indeed, though he did not know it, they were jewels of immense value. Aladdin would have preferred figs or dates. Which also makes me think he's like 10. Yeah. <laughs> Still, like, oh, he- man, I'm so upset that this is a diamond instead of a fig. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they are, but also like, you know, yes, he must be a child. If he's like, I want, oh, I wanted fruit. Uh-huh. It's a worthless rock. <laughs> Still, he thought he would take some of the color stones to his mother because he's a sweet baby angel who loves his mama. Mm-hmm. And he thrust into the front of his robe as many jewels as it would hold. <laughs> then he went back through the three great halls and climbed up the steps. The top step was a yard or so below the hole in the earth. Aladdin reached up his hands and grasped the edge of the hole. Uncle, he called. Cry, help me out. Have you got the lamp? Shouted Boss, the wizard. give me the lamp. <laughs> yes, uncle. <laughs> then hand it up. This, I love how the scene is in it. It's so good. Yeah. Well, but in the differences, the lamp was wedged down tightly under all the stones that Haladin had picked up for his mom. So he shouted, no, uncle, I can't. My hands are not free. I'll give it to you when I get out. You must hand up the lamp first, cried the wizard. No, uncle, I've told you I can't. And this goes on and on until the wizard began to stamp and shriek. (laughs) Aladdin felt frightened. Sure. He thought his uncle must be crazy. He tried to scramble out of the hole, but the wizard pushed him back. Mad with rage, he threw some more powder on the fire and said two magic words. The stone moved back and covered the hole, and there was Aladdin, buried in the dark. Oh, my God. Uncle. Uncle. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. But the wizard had spread out his robe on either side of him like wings, flew up into the air, and never stopped flying until he reached Africa, (laughs) which is amazing. (laughs) That is an amazing mode of transportation. I'm really happy for him. But you went to all of that trouble to get the lamp. You had the kid with the lamp. He was right there. I mean, and not to be cold or anything, but you can bring the kid up, get the lamp, and then push him back in the hole. Or, I mean, the kid totally trusts you. You could have just pulled him back up, got the lamp, even took him back to his mom and said, well, peace. pockets full of diamonds. I mean... (laughs) He's he's not the smartest wizard. I think he was just wizard. He was in a frenzy. All I can <laughs> ima- all I can see is calculus. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he's just he's letting his emotions. He's very emotional. He is a very emotional man. Mm-hmm. Not to be not to be trusted. I also love the line: "Never stopped flying until he until reached, reached Africa." Africa. Like. He didn't even stop to rest. He was just so upset. Never stop, never stopping. All the way to Africa. Then indeed, Aladdin, as he wept and hammered at the stone with his fists, knew at last that this pretended kind uncle was no other than a wicked wizard. But what good was that knowledge to him now? And why had the wizard wanted the lamp? 
What Aladdin could not know was that the wizard had read in his magic book of a wonderful lamp that would make him the most powerful man in the world. Mm -hmm. By his spells, he had found out where the lamp was and learned, too, that he could only receive it from the hands of another person. And so he had flown from Africa and picked out poor, foolish Aladdin to serve his ends, meaning to get the lamp from him, push him back into the hole, and leave him there to die. You, you could have done. You wouldn't even have to kill him. No. You, you could just get the lamp, and then you could be best buddies. Yeah. <laughs> well, but then someone would know that he had it and could maybe like have that information tortured out of him by rival wizards. Okay. No, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Rival Rival Wizards. I want to see that movie. Me too. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> as soon as I said it, I'm like, is there another story in the book of the Thousand Nights in a Night if I c- that have a, uh, you know, you know, rival Jafar wizards? Jafar was literally already a sorcerer. Mm-hmm. And I want to know more about that. Like everybody's always talking about Ursula's backstory, which I also want to see. I want But I Jafar want has potentially a great backstory. I bet too. he's got a fantastic backstory. I would love to see. I, I'm, I'm still tangent. Tangent alert. I'm still, I am still angry to this day that we got a Cruella live action movie before we did Mm. Ursula or Jafar. Come on. I don't want to learn more about the puppy killer lady. I want sea witches. I actually haven't seen Cruella, but going off of the Maleficent background story, I don't want to hear the sap story i just want them to be fun and evil and i want to see jafar meet iago as a little baby parrot as a little and they become besties evil besties same with ursula and her two eels i'm sorry i can't remember the name i obviously i like aladdin way more than the flotsam and jetsam flotsam and jetsam I want that, and I want the like. I want this. I want the whole spurned lover thing mm-hmm. <laughs> with King. I just and because the, the thing is, oh, like, yeah. I don't want the sob story. I don't care if they had a hard childhood. I I want to know why they're so evil. <laughs> I would riot if Ursula is not a lesbian. <laughs> Fine, like, I will Facts. riot. Facts, absolutely. Okay, spurned best friend. Maybe Triton took her girlfriend away or something. Heck yes. Yes, absolutely. That, that's, I don't know. I just, I don't see them together personally. No, you're right. <laughs> or you're maybe right. Triton was a bully to her. I don't know. Ursula's no, clearly clear. I, I don't really want Triton to be bad either because. No, I ugh. think, I think it's, I think it's like a, a you know, a, a fr- it's, it's, it, I want to see the friends to enemies movie, you know? Just tragedy, yeah, I like that. tragedy and misunderstandings, and maybe some steal your girl action. Uh, what if he stops? What if he stops being friends with Ursula because his new wife doesn't like her or something? You know, well, let's workshop this later. We'll just write <laughs> it. It's fine. <laughs> we'll add it to our werewolf celebrity series. Yeah. Ooh, if anybody else has a really good backstory potentially for Jafar or Ursula, mm-hmm. please let us know. Let us know. What's your fan? Oh, send us your fan fiction. Oh, please do. Oh, I want it so bad. (laughs) Anyway. Me me for for Javar. Anyway, anyway. Back to Aladdin. So Aladdin beat at the stone until his fists were sore. I mean, how terrifying would that be? And then he groped his way down the steps and felt for the door. Perhaps if I can get into the garden, I shall find another way out, he thought. But the door had slammed shut and there was no opening it. And in all fairness, Aladdin freaked the fuck out. (laughs) (laughs) 
It says that right there in the text. Right there in the text. <laughs> he freaked the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> Ruth Manning Sanders really got that one. I kid. But he sat with his head in his hands and he rocked himself to and fro. He clapped his hands together, felt the ring the wizard had given him, and in disgust thought to pull it off his finger. But no sooner than he had rubbed the ring, there came a flash of light, an enormous genie rose out of the earth. Yes! like me. What wouldest thou, said the genie? I am the slave of the ring and will obey thee in all things. Take me out of here, whoever you are, cried Aladdin. And sadly, what? No musical number? He doesn't have to sit him down and explain the rules. He doesn't have to sit him down and be like, there's some provisos, some quid pro quo. I can't bring (laughs) anyone back from the dead. (laughs) I don't like doing it. I don't like doing it. (laughs) Which Which indicates to me that he can. He can. (laughs) He can do it. But... But Genie sets boundaries. <laughs> he does. And you know what? He probably can make someone fall in love with you, but it also just makes him uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like it. Yeah. King of consent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I love that song so much. Mm-hmm. It's a I literally get chills. Like I, I was watching it last night and I just I love that song. There's also a version that Neo does of that song that I love equally and listen to it often when I yeah. go run. Yeah. He does. And the do music a good video one. is excellent. Mm-hmm. There's a little jazz in there. It's very nice. I am going to post that to our social medias oh, as well. I want to see it. So good. Uh, Disney really nailed that part. Aladdin had scarcely said the words before he found himself in the valley between the two mountains, standing on the very spot where the wizard had kindled the fire. The fire had gone, and the hole in the earth had gone. There was nothing but smooth, grassy ground. Aladdin set off running and ran and ran until he reached home, and there, at his mother's door, he fell down in a faint. So I think this is really funny because in Andrew Lang's version, Aladdin uh, is very brave about all of this, and... When the genie just takes him straight home, he's like totally fine. He's just like, take me out of here. And he's all brave. Propaganda. <laughs> Which is like the version that the man translated. I do think versus, that's funny. <laughs> versus Ruth Manning Sanders, where I don't think she translated it, but she definitely retold it and probably a more um, realistic to a child. Yeah. Way. To. F- ch- to f- child i mean fucking anybody like stuck in a hole and like fair enough and now there's a monster i'd be wetting my (laughs) pants like yeah jeez (laughs) and this section is called the slave of the lamp Mm -hmm. so i am gonna point out that the genie beforehand was the slave of the ring so just keep that in the back of your mind are there two genies Maybe. What? Okay. When Aladdin's mother had brought him to his senses with burnt feathers, which is like smelling salts, mm-hmm. uh, I had to look this up because I was like, what? So apparently it creates a really pungent smell to kind of revive somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and plenty of cold water. He told her all that had happened and then he asked for some food. Alas, my poor boy, said his mother. I have not even a bit of bread to give you, but I have spun a little cotton and I will go to sell it. No, said Aladdin. Keep your cotton for another time. Here is this old lamp. I will go out and sell that. 
which I already feel like is kind of his little growth. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's getting a character. He's getting some character development. Yeah, like he's worried. Like after all he just went through, he's like, "No, mom, I'll I'll take care of it," which I think is really sweet. And I think the wizard, for all of his faults, did perhaps shame him a little bit into getting his act together. Oh yeah, definitely. So Aladdin's mother took some sand and water to clean the lamp as it was very dirty. But no sooner had she given it one rub than there was a flash of light and an enormous genie rose out of the ground. What wouldest thou, said the genie. (laughs) I am the slave of the lamp and will obey thee in all things. No, no, go away, cried the terrified woman and flung up her arms before her (laughs) eyes. But Aladdin snatched the lamp away from her. I am hungry, he said. Bring me something to eat. So Aladdin's getting a little braver. Yep, he's. Kind I get of that. He's hungry. Yeah, absolutely. You say you'll anything you say. Food, yeah. please. They worked with the last one, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the genie vanished at once and appeared again, carrying a silver tray on which there were twelve silver dishes filled with delicious food and six large cakes, two flagons of wine, and two silver cups. He placed the tray down on the carpet and disappeared. Mm. Well, that was a meal. They ate until they could eat no more, and then they had enough over to last them till the next day. And when the food was gone, Aladdin sold the silver dishes and brought more food. And when that was gone, he rubbed the lamp again and bade the genie bring them food and clothes and everything that they needed. So it's definitely not specified to three wishes. Yeah, it's it's just whoever possesses these items commands the genies. Mm Mm-hmm. Mother, he said, we shall never want again. We have two slaves to serve us with all that we can desire, the slave of the lamp and the slave of the ring. And so he and his mother lived in comfort for several years. That's, I feel like that's kind of part one of the story. But I really love that. I, I Well, I find it really interesting that they called themselves, you know, the slave of the lamp and mm-hmm. the slave of the ring. And yeah. I also think Disney really fixed that because they made that a whole plot line. Yes. Where... The genie wanted to be free because he was literally a slave. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so cool that they added a portion where, you know, Aladdin had to choose to either have another wish or to set somebody free. And I just I think that's so great. Like Yeah. I, I really like that they that they changed that part of the story. I think that's a that's a really good change that they actually mm-hmm. explicitly mention it and mention it as like something that is not desirable. <laughs> yeah. Like, he straight up has these – he, like, points to his little wrist cuffs. Like, mm -hmm. he's totally bound. Yeah. And I just – I love that whole part of the Mm storyline. I love it. So I take it that does not happen in this story. Well, it doesn't really come up. The genies aren't really, like, characters. They're just kind of there. Mm Mm-hmm. Again, that's just really what I feel like they did – they did right. Absolutely. Nailed it. I love that aspect of it. And I like that Aladdin and Genie are friends. and Because mm-hmm. Aladdin's just a genuinely good person. And honestly, also really lucky that Genie's a genuinely good. Because you don't have to be. You being. can be like Jafar and be an <laughs> evil Genie. 
Yeah, I was telling Adam when we watched it last night, I was like, what if Jeannie was just fucking evil and as soon as Aladdin like freedom, he killed everyone? I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of trust. (laughs) It's an awful lot of trust that you won't like absolutely, that you won't absolutely murder everybody. I said the same thing to Steven last night and we were rewatching it after he (laughs) releases Jeannie. I was like, man, he's lucky Jeannie's nice. Yeah, like a genuinely good being overall. Like, Mm mm-hmm. Because it also reminds me of every book that I've every every book that I've ever read that involves like demon summoning in some way or like or like uh, using a demon to do things for you is like as soon as that thing gets loose, it's murdering you. Uh huh. Like, like you're fucked. You're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and I've, I've often wondered that about like about the genie the genie thing too. It's just kind of like if they ever get free, do they just go on like a, mur- a justified murderous rampage? Yeah, because they are literally slaves. Mm-hmm. I think most of the genies, or I think they're usually called jinn, mm-hmm. in any other kind of folklore that I've come across with them, they're not happy or, you know. They don't love it. You know. They're not Robin Williams being silly and making doing impressions and stuff. Yeah. They're they're pissed and mm-hmm. they usually fuck up your wishes too, right? Like Yes, like you have to be very careful with the wording of your wishes in mm-hmm. so many in so much other folklore and other and other like books and novel novelizations of genie stories yeah. of like Which- don't leave any loopholes because mm-hmm. they will find a way to kill you with it. I kind of love that version too, though. I like the idea of genies having different personalities. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Part two. And this section is called, sorry, Abby, the princess. Damn it. All right. (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm one point. I've got one point so far. Yeah, you do. Good for me. And Aladdin grew up. So another reason, you know, he was definitely a a kid. He no longer wanted to romp about the streets. He would now like to improve himself. And he visited the shops and the merchants, listened to their talk, examined their wares. And to his astonishment, learned that the fruits that which he had plucked from the trees in the underground garden and which he thought were colored pebbles were in reality precious gems of the utmost value. Crazy. (laughs) He saw that none of the merchants had jewels to equal them, which also makes me think he didn't give them to his mom right away. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> she, she would have known. Come on. She's, yeah, no, she would have told him immediately, like, those are rubies, kid. Yeah. Yes, I'll take those. Those aren't for you. <laughs> <laughs> One day, as he was walking in the city, a messenger passed through the streets, ordering all of the people to close their shutters and keep within doors whilst the Sultan's daughter went to and from the bathhouse. Aladdin thought he would like to see the princess's face, for he had heard that she was very beautiful. But it wasn't easy to see her face because she went veiled. Mm -hmm. So what did Aladdin do but hide himself behind the door of the bathhouse and peep through a hole? Sure, creepy. Like a fucking pervert. Yep. (laughs) The princess lifted her veil as she went in. Her veil, in quotes. I feel like she was definitely naked. She's in the bathhouse. I mean, well, I mean, you know, she 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 looked at her veil. She disrobed so she could get in the water, but she traveled Mm -hmm. there, probably, you know, wearing clothes. I know, but he's looking at a hole in the bathhouse. Yeah, she has to take off her clothes when she gets in there. Yeah, 
And Aladdin's a pervert. He's a pervert. <laughs> okay, sorry. No, she's it's like she's naked when she gets in the water for sure. Yeah, he's a he's a gro he's a peeping tom. He's terrible. Yeah. God damn it, Aladdin. <laughs> this Aladdin sucks. <laughs> you were so cute, and then. <laughs> and she looked so beautiful that Aladdin fell in love with her there and then. Yes, love. That's what that is. She's smart and fun. And punctual. And beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> when he went home, he was so pale and thoughtful that his mother was frightened for him. I've seen the princess, said Aladdin, for one second through a hole in the wall while she was bathing because I'm a fucking creeper. I'm a fucking and now creeper. I love her so deeply that I cannot live without her because I'm a mess of a person. I will ask her in marriage from the sultan. And his mother burst out laughing and called him mad. <laughs> yep, that's she's fair. much smarter. Yeah. <laughs> I love her so much. His mom is such a character in this. I really appreciate uh-huh. it. Yeah, they didn't have to write her out. She's in it the whole time. She's in it the whole time. And I love that she's got so much of a personality of her own, which mostly amounts to laughing at him. (laughs) (laughs) And like crying over him and just being like, you fucking kid. (laughs) What are you? There's something wrong with you, kiddo. (laughs) I love her so much. Me too. But Aladdin said, with all the audacity... Why shouldn't I marry the princess? I have the slave of the lamp and the slave of the ring to help me. And what's more, those stones that I plucked from the trees in the garden are jewels fit for the greatest monarch. I will offer them to the sultan. Uh Yeah, I haven't shown them to your mom yet. (laughs) Maybe she didn't recognize them. I don't know. He's talking about them like she knows that they exist. Okay. Anyway. So anyway, so he convinces his mom to take the jewels to the sultan and basically ask the sultan for the princess's hand. The sultan was in raptures. Never, never in my life have I seen such jewels, he said. Oh, my good okay. woman. Yeah, he's, I, I like this sultan. He's very classic fairy tale king. Gotcha. We're like a peasant, like a, like a, a merchant class person can just like pop in on him uh-huh. and say like and I'm he's g- delighted by it and he's like amazing <laughs> gemstones <laughs> do you want my daughter in half my land here in you half go my land? absolutely for these <laughs> rocks no problem <laughs> <sighs> surely you must have some request to ask in return come tell me what it is so he's also he's he's not stupid he knows sure Monarch of monarchs, it is my son Aladdin. He has fallen in love with the princess, your daughter. So great is his love that I feared he would die if I did not come and ask you for her hand in marriage. But I pray you forgive him and me. The sultan turned to his grand vizier. Enter Jafar too. <laughs> Jafar too. <laughs> this is a different person. Okay, but I'm assuming also evil. Well, I mean, you tell me. Okay. All right. You listen, you listen and you tell me. What do you say? Asked the Sultan. Ought I not bestow my daughter on the one who values her at so great a price? Now the Grand Vizier had a son of his own and he wanted his son to marry the princess. Sure. So he yeah. begged the Sultan to decide nothing for three months. And by that time, he said, I hope my son will be able to offer your majesty a little more valuable present. Which doesn't sound evil. That sounds totally fair. Yeah, that sounds totally fair. It probably makes more sense as like, you know, a match for the princess anyway. 
right? The sultan, who was greedy for riches, said to Aladdin's mother, Good woman, go home and tell your son that I cannot allow my daughter to marry anyone for at least three months. At the end of that time, you may come again and let the bidding begin. Aladdin's mother went home with the news and Aladdin was overjoyed. He thought about the princess day and night and marked off every day as it passed as one day nearer to his heart's desire. But during those days, the Grand Vizier was not idle. Sure. Like shitty, lazy Aladdin. (laughs) (laughs) Who just has two like eternal servants seeing to his every whim. So he doesn't actually, he still doesn't actually have to do anything. Like, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Honestly, he's going to make a bad sultan. The Grand Vizier's son is probably at the very least fairly well educated. (laughs) Uh huh. Yeah, this Aladdin kind of sucks. Yeah. Also, quick note. Um, something else I prefer in the Disney version of this story. Uh, people actually ask the princess what she thinks about the people who would like to marry her and seem pretty willing to abide by her saying no. They make such a big deal of her being like feeling like she can't choose who she loves yet. They keep bringing different people by. Yeah. Maybe Jasmine in the movie kind of, well, she doesn't suck, but well, like, yeah. I think it's because like she feels forced into it because she has to marry someone that's been made very oh, clear yeah. to her is that like yeah. she does have to get married. She just, ha- she just gets to pick who it is. But it has to be a prince. That's the problem. That's the problem is it has to, okay. is it has to be a prince. But, but I'm just saying is, you know, people come by, they throw themselves <laughs> at her and she sends them packing and she's allowed. Totally fair. I like that. I it's, do like it's that. It's an improvement too. on this story where yeah, she gets peeped on really in the bathhouse and suddenly she might have to marry that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's not really involved at all. <laughs> Boo. Uh, okay. So the Grand Vizier was not idle. He sold his lands, he pawned everything of value he possessed, and in two months' time, he was able to go to the Sultan with an ivory chest crammed full of gold coins. And since the sultan had already had Aladdin's jewels, he thought he might as well have the Grand Vizier's gold also. And oh, he agreed that his gross. daughter should marry the vizier's son. But he felt rather ashamed of himself. He so should. he kept the marriage a secret until the very day of the wedding. Classic fairy tale king. Wow. On that day, so the day of the wedding, mm-hmm. Aladdin's mother went out to buy oil and found the streets crowded with excited people. As soon as she found the reason that the princess was to marry the vizier's son, she ran home. Oh, my son, you are undone. This night, the grand vizier's son is to marry the princess. And Aladdin's mom loves drama, I can tell. Hell yeah. super like, (gasps) Aladdin, (gasps) you'll never guess what I just found out. (laughs) Go get her, kid. (laughs) Aladdin went to his bedroom, took down the lamp, and summoned the genie. Aladdin bade the genie bring the princess and vizier's son to him at midnight after they were married. The genie obeyed. Kinky? I know, right? This could have been a lot more fun. (laughs) I wish. Maybe if we had been reading the other version. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) The other translated version. (laughs) Sure enough, at midnight, the genie appeared again, bringing with him on the bed, which the princess and the vizier's son were lying Were they frightened? Indeed they were, as they should be, because what the fuck? What the fuck? (laughs) 
Aladdin told the genie to take the vizier's son outside into the cold until daybreak. And at once, the genie and the vizier's son vanished, and Aladdin was alone with the princess. Don't be afraid, said Aladdin. I'm not going to hurt you. Take your rest. I will keep guard. So Aladdin stood at the door of the room until daybreak with a sword in his hand. I bet she got a very restful (laughs) night's sleep. (laughs) But the princess spent a miserable night because fucking of course she did. What? Yes. (laughs) And at daybreak, the genie appeared again, carrying the bridegroom on his back. Lay him down on the bed, said Aladdin. Yeah. Aladdin is a hilariously simple person. Yeah, he's like oh the- hey baby what's wrong <laughs> this is the weirdest solution he didn't do anything before they got married it was no. like oh after they're married and i'm just gonna traumatize them both yeah i'm just gonna send one of them away with a genie um for the <laughs> night and then the other one i'm gonna be like oh you seem stressed out you clearly need your rest don't worry i'll be standing right here with a sword <laughs> Just watching you while you sleep, probably. (laughs) So, yeah. So, this part is really funny because, uh, like, the princess, Jasmine. I'm just – her name is Jasmine. She, like, Mm -hmm, goes to tell her mom about what's happened. And her mom's like, you're fucking crazy. You were dreaming. Mm -hmm. And um, it happens for, like, two more nights. And it keeps happening until the vizier's son finally says, fuck this, and begs the sultan to cancel the marriage. And – the Sultan uh, does because they never astonishment. Yeah, Aladdin keeps like, Aladdin keeps whisking them away. <laughs> so it it worked, mm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. okay. Anyway, okay. it is a little clever in that sense of like I'm I'm not here to try to make this forbidden love for the two of you. I'm just here to be so annoying that you just don't want to get married anymore. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so I guess. Did he do anything wrong? I don't know. I'm not sure. I feel like he's a weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) I don't love that. Me neither. (laughs) All right. What was the next part called? This section of the story is called New Lamp for Old, which I think is cute. Mm -hmm. On the very day that the three months were up, Aladdin sent his mother to the palace to remind the sultan of his promise. The greedy sultan was unsure and requested like a million more things to prove his worth. (laughs) So Aladdin rubbed the lamp and bathed the genie, produced the gold trays and jewels and servants. And here is where they come storming the palace in glittering garments, carrying jewel-filled trays on carpet. Nice. And wowing the crap out of the sultan. Yes. It's the Prince Ali moment. Prince Ali, fabulous he, Ali Obama. <laughs> so that part actually happens in the fairy tale. Awesome. I love that. That's fantastic. The Sultan was crazy impressed, of course, sure. and, and tells Aladdin's mother that he accepts. She went home with the joyful news, and Aladdin again summoned the slave of the lamp to basically do Aladdin's whole giant parade all the way to the palace. No sooner said than done, with no thanks or even a little friendly banter between Aladdin and the genie, which is what I wrote in my notes, because <laughs> I'm very disappointed. <laughs> Aladdin's not like, hey, how are you, by the way? Doesn't no, care. Just- Poof, what do you need? Poof, Poof, what what do you you need? need? (laughs) So Aladdin, all dressed up with hella servants, sent out for the palace with his mother, and all of the people ran out of their houses to see him pass by. 
And when the servants flung up all the pieces of gold among them, everyone cheered till the streets rang and rang. Because he's generous. So generous. generous. (laughs) (laughs) Aladdin summoned the genie to build a palace, basically next door to the sultan's, and it was finished by the next day. Okay. It was such a palace as had never been seen in the world before, built of gold and silver with gleaming and precious stones. And now Aladdin said he was ready to marry the princess, but only if she were willing. Yay! That's nice. I wonder if Ruth Manning Sanders slipped in there. <laughs> I, which I am sure is exactly from Queen Ruth Manning Sanders. Judging by the tone of the framing story, I don't think the original story probably gives a shit. <laughs> mm. Although the original story wasn't in the original That's fair. 1001 Nights. So true. Who's to say? Who's to say? Well, the princess was willing. The wedding was held amid great rejoicing, and Aladdin and his princess lived happily in their palace for some years. But far away in Africa. Yes! Done! Yes! (laughs) The wizard was still yearning after the wonderful lamp. God, it's been like 10 years at this point. Yeah, well... He wants that fucking lamp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and who can blame him? After casting many spells and burning a lot of magic powders, he learned that Aladdin, instead of dying underground, had married the princess Ugh. and was now living in royal splendor. Unmitigated gall. Uh-huh. And he knew that Aladdin could have only succeeded in doing all of this with the help of the lamp. Because he's lazy so he's- as fuck. And there's no mm-hmm. way that he was going to do this by himself. <laughs> And he does my favorite thing that he does. He spreads out his robe and flew all the way until he came into the Sultan's city. He's just a giant bird. Perfect. Now, unluckily, Aladdin had just set out on an eight days hunting expedition so that the wizard had plenty of time. He disguised himself as a peddler, just like he does in the movie. (laughs) And he went to a coppersmith and bought a dozen bright copper lamps. With these, he hastened to Aladdin's palace and began walking about under the windows, calling out, new lamps for old, new lamps for old. A crowd gathered, new lamps for old, mocked the crowd, and pelted the wizard with stones and mud, which is fucking rude. What? (laughs) Yeah, they're making fun of him because he's offering new lamps for old lamps. Right, which is foolish. Agreed. But, uh, you know, don't. (laughs) But they pelt him with Why throw rocks at him? <laughs> Jeez. Wow. And the princess heard the uproar and sent a servant to find out what it was all about. And she came back laughing. Madam, she said, there is an old fool outside offering to exchange <laughs> new lamps for old. Do you oh. think he could possibly mean it? I just so happen to have a gross <laughs> fucking old lamp lying around that my husband won't get rid of. <laughs> Uh-huh. Oh my god. That's it's like so you with funny. your dining room chairs. <laughs> That's exactly what just went through my head. <laughs> oh my New god. chairs for old. <laughs> Y'all, my husband. Adam had the love of my life has just <laughs> the apple a of dining your set eye. from his grandmother <laughs> that I fucking hate with a passion that I cannot describe. They're like the ugliest set of chairs and dining table and I want to throw them in front of a train. <laughs> <laughs> um, just but he loves them so much. 
That's literally what just went through my head. Amazing. <laughs> and that is exactly what happens. The princess is like, hey, I've got an old lamp hanging around, which I hate that Aladdin didn't actually just tell his wife about the lamp or hide it or something or keep it with him. Mm-hmm. That's valuable shit to be lying around. Mm-hmm. So the servant took the lamp and ran down to the peddler and said, give me a new lamp for this. And the peddler snatched up the lamp and the crowd jeered. The peddler bade the servant take her choice out of his basket. And when she had picked out a shiny new lamp, he threw the rest of the copper lamps among the crowd and hurried away. (laughs) Did you take these? (laughs) I feel like that could have been in the movie and it would have been funny. That would have been pretty great. I would have enjoyed that. Although I do really love Iago dressed up as a flamingo. That, yes. <laughs> and the flamingo staring at him all lovingly. And then he's like, what are you looking at, Pinky? Or like. <laughs> that, like, that was surprisingly funny. Like, I, I, because I haven't seen, I haven't seen the cartoon in a while. And I, I could not believe how hard I still laugh at that joke. Like, I, it's. <laughs> Because the flamingo is so stupid with like his tongue hanging out of his mouth and going. <laughs> and Iago's just his anger issues. Mm-hmm. I have so to talk funny. more about Iago after the story. Which I know this is already so long, but I, I who have cares? To talk it's about our Iago. podcast. Okay. <laughs> after the story, though. Okay. So. Certainly the poor fellow was mad, she said, carrying up the new copper lamp up to the princess. And that night in such a lonely place outside the city gates, the wizard took the wonderful lamp out of his robe and rubbed it. A flash of light and the genie appeared. Master, what is thy will? Take up Aladdin's palace and the princess and myself and carry us to Africa. And whiz, off went the palace, wizard, lamp, and all. Nice. Which I think is Perfect. hilarious and kind of happens in the cartoon. The genie yeah. picks up the the whole palace and just moves it. Yeah, puts it on the puts it on the top of like the cliff. Yeah, yeah. So I I love that imagery. I love that they kind of kept that in just mm-hmm. a little bit. They found a, they not- kept in a surprising amount of the story. Yeah, definitely. So this part of the story is called the Slave of the Ring. He's got Next one morning. genie left. Did the mm-hmm. wizard not know about this one? Like he didn't know that there was a ring too? He He's the one who gave Aladdin yeah, the ring, but, but I, did, I think he's completely he, forgotten about it. He must not have known that there was a genie in it then. And if he already had a genie, like, why, why would did he, he want a lamp? second one? Yeah. is the, Maybe the lamp genie is more powerful somehow. I think it doesn't say that at all, but. I think he just didn't know that the ring genie, that the ring existed. had a genie in it. Yeah. Well, the next morning, the sultan looked out his window and what was this? No palace. He sent the grand vizier and said, I pinched myself. I can't be dreaming. Look out the window. What do you see? (laughs) The vizier looked out the window. Monarch of monarchs, he cried. I kind of love that phrase. Great googly moogly. Yeah. (laughs) Great googly moogly. I see an empty space where Aladdin's palace should be. That fellow is a rogue. I always knew it. Send for him, bind him, and put him to death. The sultans went to his guards. They met Aladdin coming back from the hunt, bound him in chains, and led him to the palace. And the common people, who loved Aladdin, 
which is super cute. Yeah, that is cute. Followed him and a great crowd and pushed their way shouting into the courtyard. Aladdin stood before the sultan and the sultan wouldn't hear a word from him, but called the executioner and bade him cut Aladdin's head off. Oh, jeez. But I know. Poor Aladdin. He doesn't know what the fuck is even going. He doesn't even know this palace is gone yet. No. He's just like, oh, Jesus. Oh, shit. What? (laughs) (laughs) But just as the executioner raised his scimitar, the grand vizier came rushing in, shouting, stop, stop. The people have overpowered the guard. They are scaling the walls and breaking down the doors to rescue Aladdin. They are armed and we shall all be murdered. (laughs) So basically they riot and save Aladdin's fucking life. So Aladdin wants to know what he did. And the Sultan screams at him, your crime, false wretch. Follow me and I will show you. And he took Aladdin to a window and pointed to the place where his palace had stood. Where is your palace? He cried. And where is my daughter? He was just going to murder him without even like showing him what had happened or asking him. Did you know about this? Did you happen to move your, did you happen to make your whole palace disappear? Yeah. This sultan is not as soft and cuddly, which is which is fine. That's it's still kind of fun. He is kind of equally silly and gullible. Yes, yeah, Though, totally. Like they definitely, mm-hmm. I think they made it. They made it cuter and more kids movie ish. But yeah. but they definitely kept the spirit of the character. I think, which is like this man is out to lunch. She is not paying attention. <laughs> He's out to lunch. It's so good. <laughs> That's that's the perfect description for him. <laughs> Aladdin was too astonished to say anything for a while. Aladdin eventually asked for 40 days to return his daughter. <laughs> He's asking for a return policy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for if he couldn't find her, his life wouldn't be worth living anyway. Aww. So for three days, Aladdin wandered about seeking the princess, getting no news of her, finding no trace of her. On the fourth day, he came to the banks of a river. He was so miserable that he thought he would throw himself in. But flinging up his hands to ask forgiveness of heaven, he caught the sight of the ring on his finger. Did he forget that there's a genius ring? Yes, (laughs) 1,000%. Maybe that's like a spell that's on the ring is that the bearer of the ring forgets there's a genie in it. That is the only logical explanation because this... (laughs) <laughs> Poor genie of the ring just keeps getting like forgotten about. Yeah. Like, hello. <laughs> I'm right. I'm right here. <laughs> what a fool he felt and was, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Not to have thought of the ring before. He rubbed the ring and there was a flash of light and the slave of the ring stood before him. Master, what is thy will? Bring me back my palace and my wife. But the slave of the ring answered, Master, that is not in my power. One genie may not interfere with another's work. You must ask him of the lamp. I like that they know each other too. I like to think that they're frenemies. Mm -hmm. Like they're trying to outdo each other. And everyone just keeps forgetting about the genie of the ring. I wonder if maybe now that that's on purpose, because it's a way to try to make the other genie do more work. Seriously? Oh yeah, he's like, no, that's, that's the other one. I'm like, no, nah, go ask the you G- go ask him with the lamp. I'm a <laughs> don't just forget about me again. <laughs> so Aladdin asks him to take him to where his palace stands, and instantly he finds himself in Africa on the outskirts of a great city. And there was his palace before him, and he just happened to be standing under the princess's window. 
Nice. The princess told Aladdin of a secret door up to a room where Aladdin ran in. There they were now, clasped in each other's arms. Aww. But tell me quickly, my princess, what has become of my old lamp? Alas, alas, said the princess, this trouble is all my doing. No, it's Aladdin's doing. It's Aladdin. He should have told you. He should have told you what the lamp was, and then you wouldn't mm-hmm. have, you know, thrown yeah. the lamp away. Yeah, because if something's important to you, to you got to tell your wife. You got to tell your partner. Adam, if something's important to you, <laughs> you got to tell your wife because she's going to throw it away, I promise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you let me know if there are... Adam, tell <laughs> tell Kelsey if the chairs secretly have genies in them. Yeah. I Otherwise, they're getting hit by a train. <laughs> but oh my gosh, someday. Anyway. <laughs> she tells Aladdin that the lamp is hidden in the wizard's robes. My princess... Okay. We will a much more sensible place to keep it, in my opinion. Absolutely. But Aladdin's not worried. He says, my princess, we will beat him. I'm going into the city and I will come back at noon and beg that my secret door will be opened at my first knock. So away went Aladdin. He changed his clothes with the first peasant he met and he walked up into the city and went to a druggist's shop. There he mm-hmm. bought a special powder. Uh-huh. And after that, like he went back. Do. He went back to the princess. <laughs> it definitely wasn't cocaine. And after that, was but- it the kind of special powder that the king from the framing device <laughs> took with his brother? <laughs> You'll see drugs. And after, oh yeah, so he goes back to the princess, and the princess was waiting at the private door and let him in at his first knock. My princess, put on your most beautiful garments. AKA that red outfit from the movie. Mm, smoking hot in that red outfit. <laughs> I mean, can we, can we just like take a second to talk about how great that outfit is? It's like the mm. same as her blue one, but it doesn't have the shoulder things. It's just a tube uh-huh. top. Yes. And red is personally my favorite color. So I genuinely as a child was wondering the whole time why she didn't just wear that all the time. Javar clearly has better fashion sense. <laughs> Obviously has better fashion sense. He's got a really cohesive look and a signature look that he's uh-huh. always in. And I actually really love her hair in that ponytail. And yeah. I really love Lady Looks Good in a Crown. Oh, goddamn, she does. Mm-hmm. Instead of that little headband thing with the jewel. I mean, it's a cute headband. It's and great. I like her hair. I like her hair in that sort of like down, down do mm-hmm. too. But Good ponytail, good crown, beautiful color on her. And yeah, the color with her skin tone, she just mm-hmm. matches her lipstick. Oh man, so so super hot. So beautiful. I I've seen a lot of memes about how that outfit just awakened the sexuality of so many kids. And I feel like that is also true for me. <laughs> yes. Cause goddamn. It's and her boobs look incredible. So in sexy. <laughs> Just <sighs> I I kind of want that outfit. I wish and I like the I like the big pants. You can pull off the outfit. I like yeah. the big pants because I got thick thighs. So mm-hmm. I like that like she's really skinny, but like they give her big hips. The, and the thighs. big pants give some like weight to her. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Anyway. <sighs> so that's the Indeed. outfit he's telling her to wear. And <laughs> 
<laughs> specifically. And when the wizard comes to visit you, receive him with smiles. Let him think you've forgotten me. Invite him to supper and say that you would like to taste the wine of his country. <laughs> Your beard is so twisted. <laughs> she starts talking about his eyebrows too. That whole uh-huh. scene is amazing. <laughs> If you've never like paid attention to the background stuff Jasmine is saying, go watch the it's movie. It's hilarious. <laughs> She's really quick on the uptake and knows how to play along, and I really <laughs> enjoy Jasmine it. Jasmine is smart as a whip. I fucking love mm-hmm. her. So there's also a little part in here where Aladdin's basically whispering in her ear, so we don't know what's going on, but he's telling her to do something. Okay. And the princess dressed herself with a girdle of emeralds and a crown of diamonds, and she sent Mm. a servant to bid the wizard come to her. My lord, she said when the wizard came in, since all my tears will not bring Aladdin back to me, I have made up my mind to mourn no longer and invite you to sup with me, if such be your pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) the wizard was amazed and delighted for up till now the princess has spent all of her time crying which yeah yeah (laughs) it's his turn to do the hey baby what's wrong (laughs) yes precisely now when she said she would like to taste some of the wine of africa he rushed to the cellar to fetch it and whilst he was gone the princess put the powder aladdin had given to her in her own cup and poured some wine into the cup. And when the wizard came back, she held out the cup to him. My lord, she said, will it please you to drink my health in the wine of my country, and I will pledge you in the wine of your country. And so we are reconciled, nice. said the wizard. He took the you cup. You fool. <sighs> Such a fool. <laughs> he took the cup from the princess and drained it to the last drop and fell back lifeless. It's Calculon again. (laughs) (laughs) Just straight up fucking he's dead. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Bye-bye, wizard. That was so easy. Mm -hmm. The princess ran to the- Piece of cake. Yeah. (laughs) He's he's very dramatic, but not very smart. Yeah. Very easily fooled by Mm -hmm. pretty big brown eyes, which I kind of get. So pretty. (laughs) The princess ran to the cupboard. Aladdin sprang out. He hurried to the dead wizard and took the lamp from the folds of his robe and rubbed it. A flash of light and the slave of the lamp appeared. Master, what is thy will? Carry this palace to the place from which you brought it, said Aladdin. And at once there they were, Princess Aladdin, palace and all, back in the sultan's city. The sultan, who had spent all night weeping for his daughter, rose early in the morning and looked out his window with tear-stained eyes. But what did he see? He saw Aladdin's gold and silver palace gleaming in the light in the newly risen sun. Yay! Just as he was in his bedgown, he rushed over to it, and Aladdin, who had seen him coming, was at the palace gate to welcome him. He brought the sultan to the princess and told him the whole story. The sultan, weeping for joy, now embraced his daughter many times and begged Aladdin to forgive him. Now may we all live in peace for the rest of our lives. Yes, said Aladdin. Truly, I think this is the end of all of our troubles. And it was the end of their troubles. Aladdin and his princess lived long and happily, and the slave of the lamp and the slave of the ring served them faithfully to the end of their days. The end. 
I mean, they literally don't have a choice because they are the slave of the lamp and the slave of the ring. <laughs> I know. That is my fix. I have mm-hmm. a few fixes. That's the one. <laughs> before we go on to that, in Andrew Lang's version, uh, oh, this is interesting. They live in China instead of Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apparently in a lot of Middle Eastern folktales, um, possibly they just use China as kind of a like kind of a foreign and faraway land. An exotic country, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But a lot of the artwork is very Chinese. And in the in the Andrew Lang's version where it's um like a Chinese story, it's a mm-hmm. magician instead of a wizard, which is common for the Chinese folktales that we've read in the past. I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the, the wizard actually has a brother that tries to seek revenge on Aladdin and the princess one last time by disguising himself as a holy oh. woman named Fatima. And Aladdin okay. finds out, stabs him, and then they live happily ever after. But that story was very long. <laughs> and, and I feel very bad for, for our sweet king uh, editor, Dustin. <laughs> Newly back from his own vacation with the sea witch. <laughs> And the longest um, story ever. So my fixes were that, you know, Aladdin wasn't a weird pervert spying on a princess. Good one. Good one. Like it. Love it. That he ends up having a great, uh, that he ends up like having some sort of friendship with the genies and sets them free Mm -hmm. after he's got enough money and stuff. And maybe that he wasn't such an idol. I mean, it kind of goes into that he stopped being um, a lazy piece of crap. Kind yeah, of. it sounds like he grew up a little bit. Yeah, so that was that was already in there, but I don't know. Aladdin definitely wasn't as a heartthrob that Disney made him. Yeah, he is much cuter. Yeah, and more more aspirational in the cartoon. Oh, and obviously, uh, I want Iago, who is one of my favorite yes. characters. Where's Iago? I <laughs> give it. So we haven't talked about the live action version at all yet. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it, and I don't know if I'm going to. I feel like I would be interested in your take because I saw mm-hmm. it in theaters, and I fucking. I remember hated you enjoyed it. it. No, oh, I you you hated it. I fucking what? hated it. I like okay. <laughs> Maybe that's why I decided not to see it. <laughs> But it's mostly it's mostly because they did Iago so dirty, like because the parent was in it, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. feel like they did him so dirty, and I I like that they chose um, Middle Eastern actors for all of the roles, and I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of the actors they chose just really fell kind of flat, mm-hmm. and it just felt so sad and flat, and they didn't change it up enough. To where you were just, I was just wishing I was watching the Disney cartoon the Mm -hmm. whole time. And I love Will Smith. Like, I absolutely love him. I think he's great. But I was really excited for him to play the genie, too, because he's also kind of a 90s, like. He's a 90s icon. He's a 90s daddy. Absolutely. (laughs) I loved him in the 90s and now, but. It just, it, it, it just wasn't the same. It was like kind of sad. Mm-hmm. I maybe I might watch it just to be able to talk to you about it. I think Will Smith and 
Jasmine's handmaiden had more chemistry than Aladdin and Jasmine. Mm-hmm. And Jafar had the most chemistry. He was just like, he was hotter than Aladdin. It just, it didn't. Yeah. Whereas in the, in the cartoon, he's really like, Jafar is really creepy looking. Yeah. Like, he, and he's, you know, like an older creepy wizard. He's a bad guy. That scene, that scene where the Sultan pushes away his mind control staff and just goes, but you're so old, <laughs> uh, works really well because he looks old and creepy. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, Jafar um, in the live action was not old and creepy. He was hot and... Young and sexy? Yeah. Too bad. That's <sighs> wrong for that character. And they didn't even they didn't even say Iago's name once. I I love that like Jafar and Iago have a friendship. That's probably yes. my favorite aspect. Like it's so when they're making cute. each other laugh with their evil laugh. <laughs> yeah, like little contest. Like that's so cute and funny. And they're that constantly they, they, they like each other. They're constantly giving each other shit. Like it's so mm-hmm. adorable and and yeah, there was none of that. I mean, it's hard to have an animal, like, sidekick friend in a live action. But is it? I mean, they, they did a it's whole not. fucking The Jungle Book. So They you did know The what? Jungle Book. I They can do anything. I take they it could. back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really sad that Ruth Manning Sanders actually wasn't alive uh, when the Disney cartoon came out. So she never got to see the, the movie. And that makes oh. me kind of sad because I think she would have enjoyed their fixes. Possibly. Just don't know enough about her. That's true. I just, I love the way that she writes and you can tell when mm-hmm. she's inserting things like. If she were willing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or giving somebody a name sometimes. I don't know. I feel like. she. Was yeah. Just- I love the way she tells stories. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, those are stellar fixes. Stellar fixes. Do you have Latin. any fixes? I also want him to free the genies. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the story. Good- aspect <laughs> i i want everyone to stop forgetting about the genie of the ring <laughs> <laughs> they even left him out of the movie <laughs> they left him out of the see people always are people are forgetting about the genie of the ring <laughs> well you know Very technically upsetting. there are two genies in the cartoon <laughs> by the yes, end technically so technically true <laughs> Um. Uh, no, I love all of your fixes. All of your fixes work for me. I want him to not be a creep. I want Iago because I love Iago. I I really think that the evil wizard should have had like a sarcastic parrot. <laughs> would that Would that have been so hard? <laughs> it doesn't. Ha- it doesn't even have to be a parrot. You know, it could be some more like region regionally appropriate bird. But I think I think a sarcastic <laughs> bird companion. Uh, is perfect for evil wizards and they should all have one. I think the Disney movie just really like they they all kind of had their own familiar like Jafar had Iago. Mm-hmm. Jasmine had Raja, which I love all the mm-hmm. looks that they so share cool. between each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're both sassy like we're going to fuck so this guy sassy. up. Yeah, and Aladdin has a boo. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought of one more. What happens with Aladdin's mom? Yes. Oh, that was something we I was never hear up. about her ever again. She would have been freaking out. That's what. That's what was happening as soon as she found. Maybe out. she was the one that incited all the villagers to riot. Right. No, she was probably in the palace. She was probably. 
Maybe she was getting a spa day that day and didn't notice anything that was going on the whole time because just nobody decided to stop to tell her. Oh, I love that plan. There's her son's about to be executed. There's a riot in the background. But you know what? This lady has worked hard her entire life and she's just lying down with like some cucumbers over her eyes. Yes, that's what she deserves. She, she does deserve, deserve all it. that drama, although she does love drama. So she love. I mean, that is. I'm very sad for her because she missed out on some truly <laughs> hot goss. <laughs> uh, Aladdin's mother is an amazing character in this story for mm-hmm. sure. Absolutely. Do you have anything else to add? I don't think so. I'm sure I'll think of something later and message you about it. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but um, if anyone else has anything to add what you love about Aladdin and, you know, just literally anything, mm-hmm. please message us. Let us know because we want to hear from know. you. We're excited to be back. Yes. So excited to go forward. Pirate stories next. Mm-hmm. We'll do some pirate stories. Got to find it. I'm committing to it. I'm going to find <laughs> one. It's going to happen. I believe pirate stories are coming. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Fairy Tale Fix. We are so jazzed to be back. We hope you are too. Woo-hoo. We hope you enjoyed this supersized episode yeah. that we brought to you. Uh, if you did enjoy it, please subscribe and you can leave us a review on Apple uh, or leave us five stars on Spotify. I guess if you want to leave us one star and leave us a nasty note, we will also laugh and still enjoy it. So feel <laughs> feel free. Be honest. Uh <laughs> Just be honest. <laughs> That's all we ask. Um, those are those are a couple of free ways to help us out. If you love the show and want to support us by giving us money, you can go to our Patreon by signing up at fairytalefix.cash. And in exchange for dollars, we give you extra episodes, merch, books, and a lot of other bonus content. So go check that out. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at fairytalefixpod. And... We truly, it makes our lives when we get emails from y'all. So please keep doing that. Tell us your favorite fairy tales, uh, your favorite folklore, nursery rhymes, weird stuff your grandparents told you when you were a child. Mm-hmm. Literally anything. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at fairytalefixpod.com. And so Scheherazade becomes queen after relaying the stories of the 1001 Nights and then summarily has King Shariar executed and it's great. And mm-hmm. the kingdom goes off in uh, has a long, prosperous future where she doesn't serially kill her spouses. <laughs> uh, and that's that's really nice for everyone. <laughs> And Aladdin wasn't a pervert spying on the princess and ended up having a great friendship with the genies and eventually set them free and basically lived out a sweet 90s Disney happy ending because they really nailed it. Fuck yeah, rock on. (laughs) And they all lived happily Happily ever ever after after the the end. end.